all writers eventually come to realize that 90% of creative writing is rejection. And that's usually the biggest and most constant obstacle, but also in a weird way, it's very satisfying. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. In this week's episode, I speak with Kay Kingsman, who is a contemporary fiction author. Kay is also a travel blogger who focuses on making travel more relatable, inclusive, and accessible with her blog, The Awkward Traveler. Kay also founded a nonprofit organization to sponsor passport fees and travel gear for young adults. So listen on to find out how Kay is able to become a successful self-published author while still working her nine to five. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to be here with Kay. Hey Kay, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I am really so excited to speak with you. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? (laughs) Sure. So um, I'm Kay. I run the Awkward Traveler blog online and on social media and what is my offbeat life? Basically everything. Um, (laughs) I went to school for pharmacy, but now I work in technology and I am a fiction writer, but also a travel blogger. And none of that really mixes too well. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you love what you do, that's all that matters, right? Yeah, yeah. So Kay is very interesting because right now she's still at her nine to five. And I actually love speaking to people like you, Kay, because you're still at that process where you are still trying to figure out where all of this fits. But you do have an audience already online. You Mm -hmm. have a travel blog. You've also self-published your own book. How are you able to fit all of this in into your busy nine to five life right now to also travel the world and kind of live the life that you really want and get into that process? Right. It's definitely a lot of work, like fitting everything in. But I guess one thing that helps, I guess my job isn't exactly a nine to five. It's more of a seven to seven. I work half the week, so I, but very long days. So I work about 48 hours a week, but then I have like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off or Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. What's the day after that? Wednesday off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So usually I use my extended weekends to kind of cram everything else in. (laughs) Well, it's really good because then you have all of this time and energy to put into the work that you really want to do. So Mm -hmm. what is your end goal? My end goal, I think ever since I was like, In middle school, I've always wanted to be like a self-sustaining fiction author, like someone who stayed at home because I love being home, but also Mm -hmm. like I could sustain myself just from my writing and not necessarily needing a second job to help support myself financially. I think a lot of people have a misconception for somebody 
who is location independent and that's technically what you are trying to accomplish mm-hmm. but you don't necessarily want to travel all over the world but you want to have the freedom to work from home if you want to or maybe you want to travel around for a few months here and there and it's definitely two different things and mm-hmm. i think for me personally as i get older i definitely want to stay home more <laughs> <laughs> And for you, that's not really what you want to do either. You don't want to constantly become a nomad. And you're also a writer. So I feel like for you, that's going to be a huge thing to be able to stay Mm -hmm. in one place for a period amount of time to be able to focus as well. Right. You made such a good point. Like being a digital nomad and being location independent can definitely be two separate things. And as a homebody, I'm definitely someone who'd rather be location independent, but still have kind of like a stable home base because when I do travel, I'm like not writing or being productive at all. So that would definitely impact me financially if I was just always on the go and not writing. Yeah, that's really true. I think we often see it online where people are always traveling. And I can tell you firsthand that we batch all of these things and we're not constantly traveling. I can Mm -hmm. say for myself, I'm always in my PJs and at home (laughs) doing work on my desk. (laughs) Yeah. So what about UK? How do you create this balance? I know you spoke about really making sure that you have all of this time because you do have half of the week to be able to work. Do you always focus on writing? How do you create this type of lifestyle for yourself that it is actually sustainable for you and to work towards your goal to be location independent later on and to become a full-time writer? For me, it's all about priorities. And I think right now I'm a little bit at a crossroads because my fiction writing is very different from my travel blogging. So travel blogging for me is a lot quicker and I see results faster. So it's easier to focus on that and like do blog posts every week or even two times a week, like posts on Instagram, engage with people online. Whereas like fiction writing, it's very, I need to hold myself up and then like write for days and like see no results for months. But ultimately I want fiction writing, like being an author to be my source of income. So it's always a struggle, like reminding myself, okay, end goal, let's get this book out. Let's turn out some chapters instead of like, ooh, fun blog posts on things to do in Mexico. (laughs) So yeah, definitely prioritizing the end goal while also like using something lighter like travel blogging or what else do I do with my time? Play video games to kind of like <laughs> to break it up so it's not just grind, grind, grind. Even though I guess it's <laughs> still productive grinding if I'm travel blogging. But you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I think as long as it serves a purpose that you want it to, Mm -hmm. because you're still writing and sometimes you can be in a creative rut when you're constantly doing the same thing over and Mm -hmm. over again. And with me personally, I like to schedule different things in different parts of my days and even different days of the week, because otherwise I get bored very easily. And I think that's the beauty about being able to work for yourself in that 
instance is because you can change around your days with whatever tasks that you want to do at that time. I mean, as long as you get your work done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, what about the setbacks that you've encountered while you're trying to become a writer? Can you tell us about that and how you're able to overcome them? Yeah, I think all writers eventually come to realize that 90% of creative writing is rejection. And that's usually the biggest and most constant obstacle. I mean, it's rejection starting with yourself. Like you write something and then you're just like, oh, I hate this. It's horrible. Or you write something amazing and then you go back and read it and you're like, oh, wow, I was really drunk when I wrote this. Makes no sense. (laughs) Um, And then once you finish, you just you get rejected by so many pitches that you send out from eight, like rejection from agents or publishing houses. And it's pretty heartbreaking, especially because you put so much time and effort and like sweat, tears, blood, whatever into it. But on the chance that it does get published, then there's rejection from the audience and people who don't (laughs) like your work. So it's just all around rejection. But also in a weird way, it's kind of, it's very satisfying. It's a very like sadistic, like love, hate, passion. <laughs> I love that you're constantly being faced with rejection and failure and you're still going, right? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are afraid of that, but you actually embrace it. How did you get to the point where you actually weren't, feeling bad whenever, well, I'm sure you still feel bad, right? We all feel <laughs> yeah, bad when yeah. we get rejection. I, I I don't think we can take that out of ourselves, but to kind of just feel okay and just keep going and pick yourself up after another rejection and another one, because we all face this, there's always going to be failure, but how did you go up from that? Right. It depends on everyone's personality, which is a bit different, but for me, I just have to be proud of my own work And then try not to take it personally when people don't like it. Like for my recently published book, I had one of my good friends read it. And she was like, I think I hate everything about this. And it like stung, you know, because I'm like, how could you say this about my baby? But also I had to be like, okay, take a step back. She doesn't usually read this kind of fiction. You know, she has a different perspective, I guess. I can see where she's coming from, even though I don't agree. So kind of to build yourself up from rejection is trying not to take it personally and also making sure that you're okay with the work that you put out. Yeah. Because if if you're kind of wishy-washy when you like publish something, then when you get that feedback, it's a lot harder to bounce back because you don't have the confidence that at least you're proud of it, you know? Absolutely. I think it's just believing in yourself and the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Not everyone's going to be your ideal audience. You know, I think that's the first thing that you have to learn. Not everyone is going to like you and your work. Well, not necessarily you. You, They don't know you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So never take that personally. I think once you start taking it personally, it becomes a lot harder because you feel like it's you. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is going to like the work that you do. So and that's not your ideal audience anyway. So you move on and you keep going. Okay, let's go back to when you first knew you wanted to be an author and a writer. 
how did you figure this out and kind of tap into this market and become a published author? Yeah. So funny story. When I was growing up, I actually hated reading. Um, (laughs) Like little seven-year-old me, whenever I learned how to read, I was like, this is so boring. Like words on paper. I don't get it. What's the point? But then I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And then I spent a while in chemo and I was kind of just like alone and sad in a hospital. And then I remember there were like teenage volunteers. I don't know how old they were, but at my age, they look like teenagers. <laughs> um, and they would like go around the halls and like say hi to us and like drop off books or whatever they needed to do for those volunteer hours. And one of them left, I don't remember what book it was, but it was kind of just like sitting next to my table. And I'm like, well, what else am I doing? So then I started reading and then I like liked it, which was like really weird at the time. But then that's all I did. And I was like, hey, mom, can you bring like books over? So that's what started it. Just me being alone and vulnerable and not having, I guess, any other avenue to like entertain myself. So that's how I got into reading. And then because I was so secluded from my peers, I was very socially awkward when I finally re-entered the normal education system instead of paying attention to teachers, because that's boring, I would just write little stories that I thought of in my head. And then one day, this guy next to me was like, hey, can I copy your notes? And I'm like, ha, joke's on you. I don't have any notes. I just have this little (laughs) story that I wrote about fairies. And he was like, oh, I want to read it. So then he read it and he like, thought it was really good. So then he asked me to keep writing more of the story. So then it became like, a weekly, like, oh, here's the next chapter kind of thing. And he would be like, oh my God, you're so good. And I'm like, (laughs) I know. (laughs) So I think that's what kind of prompted me creatively writing. One, because I hated paying attention in school. And second, like kind of just having that encouragement, like, hey, keep doing this thing. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. So that's how it started. (laughs) I think it's just having that one cheerleader Mm -hmm. to get you going, to keep you interested and to really get excited even more with the new passion that you have. So I'm glad you found this guy to to read this book that you had. And now here you are doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy how that that works out. I wonder what he's up to. Like, hmm, you never (laughs) know with social media now, you may be able to find him. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) You also have a really awesome space on social media. You know, you call yourself the awkward traveler and you have these really great captions on social media. How would you advise someone to be able to do that as well and be authentic? Because a lot of people now, it's just all about the numbers and how they can do that and just keep growing. But with you, there's a lot more to it, right? There's really substance to what you're creating and you're putting out there. Yeah. As far as tips for growing, I don't have a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't. Social media is a whole beast that requires a PhD level like dissertation to understand. (laughs) But I think to be, I guess, fulfilled in a way by your social media platform is to 
like really know why you're doing it and what you want to get out of it. And also being true, I guess, to those two things. So I started travel blogging because I was actually delaying writing a book that I was writing. So I was like, well, I guess I can write about something, but just anything not related to this novel. So then I started travel blogging. And from that, I knew I wanted to do kind of like a fun, lighter version just to refresh myself from like cramming out creative writing. So that kind of morphed my travel brand to be like fun and light and silly and like awkward, random travel stories. And the reason why originally set out to travel blog was just kind of like something fun and light for me. So I still try to stick to that. And I think that's why I'm not as bothered by my numbers or, oh, I'm getting really low engagement. No one's sharing my content because in the end, it's for me. It's my productive procrastinating. Like, it's all right that I don't have 5 million followers. It's okay. It's cool. (laughs) And I think that's when you start really enjoying what you're doing on social media Mm -hmm. when you're not bothered by that and just doing what it is that you really want to do with your content. And I think a lot of people are looking at, you know, what's going to get them the most likes or the most shares and all of the fun is taken out of it. And I think it's so sad that we've come to that point in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I feel like people resonate more when they feel like you're being true to yourself. So at least that's what I've encountered. I know personally when I see someone, I mean, you can be not vulnerable every single post and I would still Mm -hmm. like it. But it's like when you try really hard to be vulnerable for just likes, you can like tell the difference. So I, I feel like being true to yourself is what resonates with people, whether you're someone who wants to tackle social issues on social media or if you want to show the lighter side of travel or the luxury side of travel or even like budget travel. If you don't try to be like someone else, then you stand out more. I guess that kind of makes sense when I say it out loud, but like it's hard to internalize when you see other people being successful, but you're like lagging behind. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of comparison within the community that Mm -hmm. it can get you down. It's true. It can really get you down. And honestly, I've spoken to a lot of people who are up there who have the followers and they're still feeling the imposter syndrome and they're still comparing themselves. And I don't think you can become happy if you keep doing that to yourself. And I think we just have to learn to simmer down with that stuff and and just just be ourselves. That's really what people want to see in the long run, even if you don't have millions of followers. The ones that are following you are the true people that are going to be there. Yeah, like success is not at all relative to how many followers you have. Some of my favorite bloggers or influencers don't have even like 5,000 followers. I don't know what's a lot of followers, but (laughs) (laughs) relative to like, popularity they don't have as many followers but their blog posts are like the best I've ever read like I always go to them if I have any questions or need suggestions and at least to me that's success 
Yeah, I really agree with you on that one. I think when you are not big yet, I think you have more freedom in a lot mm-hmm. of ways than when you are. So that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know you are trying to become location independent and to fully do writing. How are you able to save, right, before you get into this? Are you currently doing that? Are you, What are the methods that you're doing when it comes to your financials <laughs> to be able to prepare for that lifestyle? <laughs> yeah, I am the worst person to talk <laughs> about saving with. I'm a terrible saver. <laughs> I spend everything and it's great. It's not great. I'm joking. <laughs> Don't do that, kids. Um, but for me, saving, I have to like, put it away and not see it at all. So, I mean, I do have a 401k and I have some lower stock that I've invested in. That's kind of like my rainy day fund. But long-term, I have a savings account that is in a totally separate bank and it like earns interest and stuff, but I'm like not allowed to touch it at all. So like the moment I'm like, all right, location independent, let's do it. (laughs) then I have at least a couple months worth of savings to kind of buffer myself just in case, you know, those royalty checks don't start rolling in as fast as I think they will. Yeah. I think that's a good idea to always do that, to have a buffer and you're not really desperate for money when you finally leave your nine to five, because I think, we have this dream that we're just going to leave and then everything is going to be roses and, you know, your money is going to start rolling in. And then you realize once you get into that lifestyle that it's so much harder than it is. And you have to really mm-hmm. grind and hustle in order to even get a little bit of it. And it takes a long time to finally be able to live off of whatever it is that you're doing for the most part. I can't say that for everybody because there are those people that are able to do it right off the bat. (laughs) I'm jealous, right? We're all jealous of that. (laughs) I am definitely not one. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. You haven't done it yet. Hey. (laughs) That's true. You got to take the plunge. That's right. I like a plunge with a safety net. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. That's that's what I like as well. A little safety net never hurts anyone. <laughs> so, okay, let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Well, hopefully I'm a MILF. Just kidding. Well, I mean, <laughs> that would be nice. But um, I want to be remembered for... Hmm, writing thought-provoking pieces, whether that's in travel, well, I mean, my blog is pretty silly. I don't know how thought-provoking it is, but at least my, <laughs> my fiction writing, I hope that it sparks discussion and conversation. And hopefully I'm lucky enough to get on a band list somewhere at a school. That would be awesome. <laughs> I want to have a controversial book. Yeah, I guess... I guess that's kind of every writer's dream to have some blockbuster novel that gets made into a movie and it's like a pop culture icon. I don't know if that'll happen, but that would be pretty sweet if it did. (laughs) That would be awesome. And I hope to see that one of these days. So, you know, you're still very young. I'm sure you'll get it done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what are you working on currently that is really exciting to you? 
Ooh, so I was working on a novel about my experience in France when I lived there as a study abroad student. It was going to be like a mix of Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and a series of unfortunate events. But then I went to Iceland and my mind was blown on the scenery, the like folklore. So I actually set my previous novel aside to work on a new one that kind of brings Icelandic folklore into the modern era. So I'm really excited. It'll be my first like sci-fi fantasy type piece. So I'm interested to like develop a new skill. That's going to be really exciting. And also Iceland is definitely a place where you can get so many different types of ideas Mm -hmm. and inspiration because it looks like it's not even in this world, this country. It's pretty incredible. So, and it's also really great because Kay and I co-wrote a book which was published, right, by Blank Roof. And it's been so incredible to be a part of this amazing journey with UK and the women that we were a part of with creating this book. So if you guys want to check it out, it's called, can you tell us the book, Kay? <laughs> it's called Branding Quickies. That's right. And you guys could find it on Amazon. So we're really excited about that. And we share a lot of our tips and tricks on how to brand yourself successfully. And also you'll get to see a lot more of our behind the scenes stories and our journey. So we're really excited about that. So make sure you guys check it out. Now, if our listeners want to know more about UK, where can they find you? Um, They can find me online at theopertraveler.com where I share tons of like travel guides and travel tips and also random travel stories that will hopefully make you laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is awesome. And we're definitely excited to find you there and all of your new work, right? Yeah. I can't wait to to hear about the Icelandic one. (laughs) Yes, you will definitely probably be the first to know. Perfect. Thanks, Kay. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me again. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kay. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to prepare for self-publication online. Hey, Offbeat family. I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast suggestions on guests topics we can discuss or maybe you just want to be friends why don't we chat some more on facebook at the ob life or send me a message at hello at the i can't wait to hear from you